Hello everyone, I'm Simon Ford of Forge Gin. Martinis, gin and tonics, Negronis, great classic cocktails is what I'm about, but I also love to hear of great recipes from great bartenders from around the world, which is why we've partnered with Beyond the Drink for this season. Cheers. Well, you just heard from the man himself, Simon Ford, and this season of Beyond the Drink is brought to you by our friends at Ford's Gin. I'm Cappy, and in this series, we're going to hear from some of the best bartenders in the country as they share the stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. Beyond the Drink is a spinoff of Beyond the Plate, our podcast that sits down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the food industry and the social impact they have made in their communities. We invite you to check out this season of Beyond the Plate, where we're featuring some of the greatest restaurant and hospitality duos. And if you're new to Beyond the Drink, welcome. If you listened before, we're so glad you're back. We hope this episode inspires you to create a delicious cocktail or, like the bartenders we feature, make a difference in your community. To get the cocktail recipe we discussed in this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. One more thing, we have some awesome Beyond the Plate merch. You can find the link in your podcast player or go to our website, beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Head on over and check out our hats, tees, hoodies, and more. Again, that's beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Enjoy this week's episode. All right, both of you, let's start with a audio test. I know Nandini has seen this one live in person, but let's have each of you name three of something. So Nandini, you kick it off. Name three ingredients you love to see used with gin. Ooh, I love botanicals. I love to see a beautiful aromatic garnish. I really love to see an aromatic adjiner, like maybe if you're using something like Coqui Americano or something interesting to play off the botanicals in the gin. And third, I don't know, a fresh ingredient of some kind. Maybe you have star fruit that you've cut up in juice, something like that. I'll take it. Alex, three ingredients you love to see used with gin. First, I'll piggyback on Nandini as far as vermouths, bitters, aperitifs. There's so much that already existed and is new on the market that is amazing. Grapefruit. I think that grapefruit is and gin are an amazing pairing. I use grapefruit peels for my Negronis rather than orange, and I think that it just takes it up a notch. And lastly, salt, which goes in every single cocktail that I make. It's, to me, the bridge between citrus and sweet, or if it's spirit forward, it just kind of cuts through a little bit of the bitter or the booze and really brings everything home. So those are my three. I love it. You both sound good. Let's do it. In keeping with the theme of our Beyond the Plate duo season, today's guests are both advocacy managers for a number of different spirits brands, but for purposes of this episode... Ford's Gin. First, Nandini Kound is the brand advocate for Chicago. She's worked at some of Chicago's most celebrated bars and now educates bartenders and consumers on the Ford's Gin brand and how to use it to make the best gin cocktails. Up next, Alex Maynard is the trade advocacy manager in Northern California and started working in restaurants at age 14 for a school project. He's bartended, managed, owned, and consulted in New York City, Miami, San Diego, and of course, the Bay Area. You can find more on them in the episode notes and follow Nandini on Instagram at Comandini and Alex at Ricky Pretenderson. Both of those in the episode notes. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with a couple of Ford's Gin's finest 
advocates, Nandini Kound and Alex Maynard. All right, both of you, good to have you here. Thank you for having Thanks for having us. Of course. Why don't we do a little warm up, a little speed round to get us started? What do you say? Ready. Let's do it. All right, Nandini, name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar or work in the spirits industry. I think what probably got me into working at bars was ironically, and not saying this because I work with sports now, but chin and tonic because once I discovered that you could take a knife and just like stab that lemon, release the lime oils and make it change flavors, I was sold. Love it. Alex, how about you? I will say the first drink that I had as an adult was a (laughs) Amaretto Sour, which did not get me inspired to bartend. I actually didn't drink until... I was 23 because of gin. So <laughs> that, we'll save that story for another episode. How's that? Absolutely. It's, it's a whopper. But the drink that actually got me going, I would say, was a daiquiri. Awesome. Number two, Nandini, last cocktail you made at home. Ooh, a martini. Martini. Alex, how about you? Same, same. We're siblings for a reason. That's right. The last one, number three, Nandini, the last best gin cocktail that you tried? Oh, well, this is fun because we just got done with Tales of the Cocktail and we threw this awesome party at the Hotel St. Vincent in New Orleans. And we had bars from all over the world showcase their work. And so there was a million drinks there. And of course we were too busy to really drink them. But Capri Robinson from Allegory in DC had this busy number that I don't even remember what was in it. I'm pretty sure there was horsetail in it and mustard seed, but it all came together to taste almost like a green tea fizz and it was forced carbonated and it was so refreshing and amazing. Sounds good. How about you, Alex? Same as Nandini as far as wanting to, but not being able to enjoy all of the amazing cocktails that were at our party at the Hotel St. Vincent. I did get to get a sip of something amazing from Bar Mini, but the last cocktail I got to enjoy in whole was a house martini, which happens to be Ford's, at Whitecap here in San Francisco. Uh, Nori-infused vermouth. That sounds so good. I love that. Let's get into it a little bit here. One of you, I could call on you unless one of you wants to raise your hand, like we're in school or something. Can you explain for the listener, there's probably a lot of bartenders, I'm guessing people you know listening to this, so they get this. So apologies to all of you. But for someone tuning into this, maybe for the first time, maybe they're not in the industry, explain what a, a advocacy manager does. We are champions of our brand. And to me, what that means is that we are everything for all of our, we support our supporters, right? So trying to make sure that we are being there for the folks who have us on their menus and on their back bars and in their wells and giving them as as much as we can possibly give to just kind of enhance the experience of enjoying our brands. And then as well, we are out in the street trying to gain new loving followers. So it really is advocacy in the the definition of the word, just really advocating for our brand. And we believe in it. And that's why we're here and we're passionate about it. And so it's easy to speak to. And when we get the chance to get in front of people and talk about it, they see in our eyes that we're not playing around. And then when they get to try the juice... They know that we're for real. I just wanted to add on to Alex's perfect description that I think a big part of it is education as well. Like whether it is towards the consumer. I also love facing things to people. I don't know. I really love converting people. I know that sounds really bad, but you know, it's like 
Ford's chin to me is like a gateway to a whole new world <laughs> for people that might not have had it before. It's so elegant. It's very versatile. It kind of offers the user, whether it's the bartender or guest, to have creativity. I love it. I feel like I'm an honorary advocate for Ford's every time I'm out talking about totally. it. Totally. <laughs> one last point on that one. We are so beloved and welcomed within the bar industry, which is on the level that we are is kind of rare for a brand. And I think that just lends to we're kind of a lifestyle brand. Ford's, it obviously is a product, but it also is a way of being. And we operate in a very different way than any other brand you could possibly think of. And that is all relative to the love and support that we've gotten from the bar industry because we are made by bartenders and made for bartenders. So it makes sense that it worked out that way. We're hospitality. Like, let's dig into gin, like just generally speaking. So listeners, everyone listening, if you're not a gin fan, or if you think you're not a gin fan, by the end of this episode, if you're not already, you'll likely be ordering a gin cocktail the next time you go out, <laughs> or you'll be making one at home. So what's a good way to taste gin? Like if someone is interested in tasting. For me, it's a gimlet. If I'm going to an account that I've never been to, I will pre-batch a gimlet and bring it and have them taste it that way, as well as the gin by itself. We are the cocktail gin. And therefore, the best way to introduce ourselves is through a cocktail. And a gimlet for me is the most, I would say, palatable, introductory. A martini is not something that everyone is going to be able to wrap their mind around, their palate around to start. So yeah, that's interesting. Like what's a good gin cocktail to order for someone dining out in a restaurant versus your corner pub bar versus what you guys work with a lot of pretty incredible bars and bartenders? Loaded question, but... Uh, no, I think for me, Negronis, generally you can get a decent one, even in a dive bar. Negronis actually, for me, have always been my kind of barometer when I'm training staff. You could line up five people and have them all make a Negroni and the specs are the same. But there's this interesting thing. And we were talking about this, Nandine, I don't know if you remember this last week, where people like Campari more, or they like Vermouth more, or they like the gin more. And so subconsciously, I've always found that people will pour heavier on the ingredient that they identify with more. And so therefore, those five people, you will get five different Negronis every time, wow. I swear. It's what? It's totally true with the same spec. In fact, when I used to develop recipes, sometimes what I would do is give the recipes off to a bartender and sit in front of them while they gave me my drinks so, so I could get rid of that subconscious tweak because I know what I like more of. I'm going to go gin heavy on my Negroni. So if I was giving somebody a spec on a recipe I was developing, I would make sure that I wasn't the one making it. It's pretty interesting. The power of suggestion and your mind is pretty wild. Alex, in the, towards the top of the episode, you mentioned grapefruit being an incredible mixture and you use grapefruit peel. E either one of you, or Nandini, let's start with you. Any like good mixer suggestions for gin? Just recently, I this is super easy and I know I'm playing off the gin and tonic again. Maybe it's because it's summer and it's hot, but I love a gin and sonic. They're so good. So gin and sonic for the listener is soda and tonic, but grapefruit soda and a grapefruit peel mixed with your tonic and gin is insane. And it's such a beautiful color. It's like this really cool kind of clearish light pink. So that really 
makes your garnishes pop if you want to throw in edible flowers or something. Fever Tree has that delicious that sparkling grapefruit bottle, right? So good. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And that yuzu lime one they have is pretty delicious with your gin too. Ooh, yeah. Cool. I love it. Alex, what's something you're seeing? You're in the Bay Area, Oakland, if I'm not mistaken. What's some like what's something you're seeing in the gin world? out there when you're going out? I mean, just the bar world in general, we're in a total rebuild. As every city across the world got hit really hard with lockdown, we were floating on this margin that was so razor thin that we could have gotten taken out by an earthquake. It didn't have to be a global pandemic. But what you're seeing now is just folks really working with what they got. And to me, that is kind of some of the best creativity space where you've got to work with what you have. And so what we're seeing is a lot of produce, honestly, a lot of, I've seen a few carrot cocktails, which was one of, carrot was one of my favorite go-tos for gin cocktails back when I was doing it. A lot of farmer's market sustainability obviously is a huge one. A shout out to Nick Perez from True Laurel, who is really just like taking that and he's become a champion of figuring out how to make sure that we're using everything that we're buying and yeah, I think just kind of being on the comeback more than anything is the trend here in the Bay Area because of how hard we got hit. It was wild. We were like literally about to explode and there were, I can think of 10 projects that were about to start right before lockdown that those folks just disappeared. And it is what it is. But Yeah, that's interesting insight. I like that. I, there's a Nandini. Oh, Sarah Grunberg here in Chicago, she came out with a cookbook called Listen to Your Vegetables. And at the party, they did a carrot Negroni, which was oh, fantastic, oh. man. It was so good. All their drinks are so good. They do a great job over there. Shout out to Monteverde. How about you, Nandini? Any, anything you're seeing like in the Chicago area, like as you go to different restaurants or bars, people doing things with gin. I feel like there was like the time when, you know, you couldn't get away from shrubs in cocktails. What I'm noticing is this return to the structure of classics as a way to then bloom because ultimately I feel like there was a point, creativity is an interesting thing. People want to grab onto it and do it, but without this understanding of foundation, it goes out of hand and haywire and people lose their inception they use they lose their concepts and you can taste that confusion at the other side so i'm noticing that people are kind of getting more conceptually tight in places and i'm loving it i don't know if you've been to meadowlark and i want to shout them out for sure they just produced this secondary menu their new cocktail bar that's based solely in like chicago's world fair and the history of 1893 and a really interesting fascinating way and it's like art. You're like reading through this thick menu. I don't know if that's a trend, but I'm very excited that they're doing it without, I don't know. I think it's really fearless to be able to do a menu like that and do it well. I think there is a leveling as well of cocktail culture into tavern culture or good time culture. And I think that people are creating things that are fun. I think that people are being a little bit more chill about maybe their background and making it for the people again and having it feel exciting from the other side. I'm a big fan of punches. I'm a big fan of like having, I don't know, a shared experience that sometimes comes from like a batch cocktail. And I know that in the past people were poo-pooing batch cocktails, but I think that when it's done well, I think it's great. This is a recurring theme this season and I don't mind it. Alex, you mentioned 
your batch gimlets. And we had Mike Capoferi on a couple episodes ago from Thunderbolt in LA. And we were talking because a lot of what they do is batched, even though they'll spend days concocting components to a cocktail. But at the end of the day, it's it gets batched and it has this like negative connotation, like I guess like frozen vegetables, but like frozen vegetables aren't that bad. They're actually like frozen at the peak freshness point. I just think folks should like realize what they want. There was this time where we had the suspenders and the twisty mustaches and 20 minutes waiting for a cocktail and everyone hated that. Mm-hmm. Now we've come up with a solution for it where you're getting that same 20 minute cocktail like this and folks are poo-pooing it because it's <laughs> pre-made. It's still fresh ingredients. I, yeah, nobody's ever going to be happy. One one other trend though that Nandini did remind me of with the World's Fair is that a lot of folks, especially here in the Bay Area, I think of Love Trick Dog, who always does an amazing job with their cocktail menu. Of folks are really telling a story with their cocktail menu rather than just giving you a list of drinks. It's an experience just opening the menu and going through and seeing what is has been prepared for you, which is really cool as far as the illustration and the background story and obviously the cocktail, but there's so many more levels to cocktails that have been put into it. It's almost like someone has been sitting on their couch for two years thinking about all of these things <laughs> want to do if bars reopened. I don't know. It's weird. Conceptual intent. Yeah. I want to jump into social impact and giving back because I think I know you both like have an interesting perspective, personally speaking, Ford's brand speaking on Beyond the Plate. One of the main reasons I started the podcast was because I know how generous the industry is in general. So it's been really fascinating and inspiring to hear how people give back like through a cause or through their establishment or personal time, money, voice, whatever it may be. So I would love for you all to shed some light on a cause or organization that is close to home, is close to Ford's, is close to your heart, whatever, however you want to take it. Nandini, why don't you jump in? Fresh off of a tails. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about this initiative that we started under our umbrella of brands that we worked with, but it was definitely powered by the Ford's team, just saying. We partnered with Tales of the Cocktail this year and an organization in New Orleans called Glass Half Full. And what they do is take bottles, glass bottles, turn them into sand, and then work with local coffee roasters to create sandbags out of the compostable burlap and rebuild Louisiana shorelines and replant marsh grasses behind it just to restore the coast. So that was really exciting. We did it under the Diplomatico brand, and we worked with the Ritz-Carlton, the Spirited Awards, and we collected 3,325 pounds of glass last week. We also opened it up through Tails to any other brand that wanted to join. And I just got the numbers today and I'm really excited. But it was 8,300 pounds of glass that we collected this week for the coastal restoration of Louisiana. And we're really hoping to grow it next year into something even bigger and more expansive and make sure that all the offside events have access to that. And also, this is just great for the organization. It's a femme-founded organization. They're so cool. This has been just a dream to be able to work on this initiative this last week. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And then I'll let everyone know in the episode description, I'll put a little more add on to Nandini and Alex's bios there because Nandini is involved in a number of things. So I'll put those things in the episode description as well as links to those. So thank you, Nandini. What about you, Alex? What are you up to? 
organization that I worked for last year before coming on board with the Ford's team was Dining for Justice. And what they do is they add a 1% surcharge to guest checks and that money goes to meals for the houseless. And there's just something really cool for me about when I was working for them, being able to run around, this is specifically in Oakland now, but there is a possibility that it will be brought on to maybe all of California, hopefully. But being able to run around Oakland and go to bars and restaurants and sign folks up for this organization was, it's just great. You don't have a guest who gets their check and they're like, wait, what's this 1% surcharge to feed the houses? I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, obviously it's optional. They don't have to, you could take it off the check. It's not something that folks have to do, but you don't have anyone who is saying, I don't want to be a part of this. It's now two years old. They have backing from Steph Curry and the Eat, Play, Learn initiative. So it's growing, you know, it's just really simple way for us to help the folks that need it most. I want to close it out here with, I think, a question you all would have an interesting perspective of given what you do and your backgrounds. In our Beyond the Plate episodes, we often like to ask chefs and the guest, you know, advice for young cooks coming up in the industry or what they would tell their 23-year-old self coming up in the industry. So we started asking this in the first Beyond the Drink episode a couple of weeks ago with Mike Capoferi and, and I was taken aback in a positive and in, in a great way about the discussion and his answer. So similarly, what advice would you give? You, you all are in bars often in restaurants and accounts. What advice, I'm asking broadly, what advice would you give to young bartenders in the in, coming up in the industry? Well, one, your body is not a trash can. You don't need to finish that drink. You don't need to, it's okay to leave some stuff behind. It can, <laughs> somebody told me that at 42, it was my friend's aunt. And I was like, what? I've never thought of it like that. I grew up, I am the daughter of immigrants. We're not taught to think your body is not a trash can. You're taught to clean your plate. So that that's a major one. And two, and I have to give credit to one of my mentors for telling me this when I was young and trying to like go beyond the bar to more consultation work and stuff like that. So shout out to Toby Maloney who told me to never compromise my individuality and who I was. And I 100% agree with that. I think that integrity is so important. I think a lot of us try to fit into places because we feel like we need to, but I think it's really important to be who you are. I think it's really important to stand up for what you believe in. And that goes beyond bartending. That's just a life lesson. Thank you. Alex, how about you? You know, these, these young baby bartenders that are coming up know so much about the things that Nandini were speaking to already, which is amazing. Self-advocacy is a huge one. For me, that's first and foremost. You don't have to show up to work if you're sick, if you're having a hard day. Like folks just need to take care of themselves in the sense of, yeah, you want to advance and you want to end up being the best you you can be. But in order to do that, you have to take care of yourself. And I think that's Definitely the name of the game. Another thing I would say is just be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with your situation. You can see where you want to go and enjoy the journey to get there because the steps that it takes to get there is actually the thing. Once you actually get there, then you're like, okay, now what's the next thing? So I think being present and just watching your steps is definitely the name of the game. Y'all are great. 
Thank you. Appreciate you hopping on the line for this duo season. It was a it's a pleasure to talk to. I feel like we could have taken like one of many of these questions and just went off on a whole episode alone. That's how we roll. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you both. Appreciate Ford's being a part of this. I, I love everything you guys said and I, I'm really grateful to get to know and learn about and from this incredible bartending community and industry. So again, thank you both so much. Appreciate it. We appreciate you having us. Thank you so much. This episode is produced by myself, along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yetton, and Sean Petrosian. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.